Hello and welcome to the Rising is One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns along with Kyle Mackey this week. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, you know, it was nice to have a day of recovery yesterday after that crazy dollar beer night. But, uh, you know, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, and I'm happy to be here with you, Dom. Indeed. Happy Mother's Day to all moms, especially Solomon Asante's mom. He shouted her out on Twitter pretty recently. Um, that's definitely a tough Mother's Day that she's going through with the recent loss of her husband and Solomon's father. Um, but shout out to all the moms out there. On a brighter note, we are now 10-0-0, not just unbeaten, we all we do is win on Dollar Beer Night. This got national attention. Barstool Sports even had a blog about it. Um, I think, uh, what's his face? The co-host for that Pardon My Take podcast, he yep. tweeted about it. Sabermetric stat of the day. Uh, Big Cat. And that got a ton, like 20,000 likes on Twitter. Um, so, I mean, this, this blew up. Then there was a Bleacher Report. Um clip from the match where it was Junior Flemings and Beccaro just ping-ponging the ball on the right touchline. That got a ton of traction. That got over a 1,000 likes. So it's like Sam Dorr said, we got more attention than any other U.S. soccer team in the country yesterday, including MLS. Yeah, I mean, and, and you got to know that that's, you know, piquing Don Garber's interest. He's seeing this happen, seeing the impact we're making in the USL, and I think right now he's licking his chops at Phoenix and saying, well, shit, they're doing it right now, you know, what's to stop them from doing it in the MLS? I think the one, you know, requirement for that will be that Dollar Beer Night will have to become a tradition for Phoenix Rising. I mean, as you said, 10-0, and 0, uh, we just, we can't be beat on Dollar Beer Night, and um, I think, you know, it's, it's the players probably have that bit of mentality, but I think mostly it's just the fans i mean the atmosphere was just hopping friday night it was such a great match and such a great way to start the weekend absolutely um so before we dive right into this let's thank our sponsor the arizona sports complex located by the 17 and 101 freeways they have leagues for people of all ages not just soccer but also uh lacrosse they do some basketball they do events and birthday parties too so go up there, let them know the Rising is One podcast sent you, and receive a discount on annual membership. Uh, now let's get to this exciting match, which finished 3-1 to Phoenix Rising. Um, I'll do the starting 11, and then you can give your thoughts on it. Um, humble brag here, but your man was the only person that correctly guessed the entire starting 11. Uh, it was Zach Lubin, Dumboya, Farrell, Cochran, Dia in the back, Kavon Lambert, James Musa and Beccaro in the midfield. I just had a feeling that Musa was going to get back into this. Um, and then Fleming's John and Calistri. You know, Calistri up there is kind of a necessity now uh, with the injury to Jason Johnson. So what were your thoughts on that starting 11? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a very similar starting 11 to what I had, uh, what I'd imagined, you know, given the announcement of the Jason Johnson injury. And uh, Beccaro's, you know, current form that we've seen him in. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> good on you to predict the right lineup. And, you know, hopefully this is, you know, the team that we start to see gelling together on the field and developing that chemistry. You know, Beccaro and Flemings clearly already have that chemistry in such a short time. But, I mean, a very good, solid lineup. I think um, this wasn't, you know, the lineup that I think most of us would have picked 
Vaccaro and Calistria, especially at the start of the season. But given our current circumstances, I think this is definitely one of the strongest lineups that Shantz could have put out there. Absolutely. And so this match gets going. Um, dollar beer night, so a great atmosphere. But not a lot to talk about in the first 15 minutes of this match. Seemed like both sides were kind of feeling it out. Um, you know, no yellow cards. Some of our matches this season have started chippy. Not this one. Um, you know, just decent passing from both sides, but no clear-cut opportunities. And then um, things get going in a big way in the 16th minute. And this is the kind of goal that we had not been scoring this season. The kind of goal we were getting last year. A quick start to a match. Junior Flemings puts a cross in, and Adam John just gets a nice, perfect touch on it. From at least 10 yards out, and he just directs the ball into the corner. Uh, very quality goal. The kind of goal that Chris Cortez on his good days was scoring last year. The kind of goal we need from a number 9. He puts it in. Totally changes the outlook on the match, and we're up 1-0. Yeah, I, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, very Chris Cortez-like. Um, you know, just that clinical finish when Cortez was on such great form last year. And I think this, for me, really showed what Adam John is capable of and what we can expect from him. Maybe not every match, but I think when he gets those opportunities... He does have the quality to finish, and you know, to get him confident scoring two matches in a row, um, I think that's great. And hopefully, you know, this kind of form for him just continues, and we can give him those good opportunities that goalkeepers aren't always able to uh, to make the save against. For sure. Um, so we were thinking, wow, that's an amazing goal. Didn't even end up being the most incredible goal he scored in the next ten minutes, um, because shortly afterwards. RGV is starting to try to come into this game. That's my dog out there. Um, but uh, they were starting to try to come into this game, but Phoenix did a good job maintaining control. And then a call that I'm sure RGV fans are pissed about. In the 26th minute, um, a ball played forward for Adam John. Um, he takes a touch. Michael Nelson, the RGV keeper, uh, has his arms out and... Maybe he just clipped Adam John. I think he just touched him a little bit. John goes down. The crowd is in an uproar, all pointing to the spot. And after a second to think about it, the head referee makes the call, points to the spot, and Phoenix gets a penalty kick. Was this a PK? Looking back, um, with <laughs> an unbiased perspective, I think we both agree no. Um, especially for me, I think in this match, it's interesting that the ref gives it because like we said, no yellows, nothing, you know, really to question early on as far as calls that he made. So this was maybe his first, you know, questionable call. Definitely. If you're an RGV fan. Um, but I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, the Phoenix fans definitely, you know, made him hear it and made him, you know, think about whether this was a penalty and he ended up siding with the Phoenix faithful. So, uh, ended up working in our favor. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, a, a, a true Phoenix Rising fan is going to say it's a penalty, but uh, yeah, from the unbiased eye, you have to say that that was a pretty soft call. Well, and here's the thing, like, in the moment, you see him go down, you're standing there in the supporter section, it's your job as a fan to get as loud as possible, and sell it, help him out, and make it tough on the ref. That's what you have to do, that's being a good supporter, that's creating a home field advantage when people talk about having a strong home field advantage 
especially with a duller beer night and adding that extra juice, that extra fire to the fans, the reaction was nuts. And so to stand up to those fans and not point to the spot in that situation would have been suicidal for that ref. Um, so he points to the spot. We do get a soft penalty call in our favor. I'm going to say straight up, if that's a match between two teams I don't care about, that's not a penalty. You know, that's a soft call. But I'll take it, you know. It helps us out. We have a good home field advantage, and it comes through there. And there was some contact. This isn't a situation where it would have been, like, a yellow card for simulation. Like, the ridiculous yellow card for simulation that John got last week, which was completely BS. He definitely was fouled on that play. Um... So it, in my eyes, that's probably a no call either way, but uh, points to the spot. And then Adam John, oh my goodness. Tell me about how this PK went down. I mean, I don't think any of us saw this coming. I mean, you have to think he's he's going to take it strong and power you know, through it with his laces. But, you know, ends up coming with the cheeky Paneka move on the keeper. And, I mean, it seemed like that ball was floating for a century. Me and you were right there in the first row behind the goal. And, I mean, man, I had to – I was waiting there. And I was thinking, oh, the goalie's going to get up and get this. It just hung in the air so long. But <laughs> goalie just could not outstretch his fingers far enough. And, you know, the ball bounces into the back of the net. And that, like you said, just set the entire supporter section off. With the fire water on dollar beer night, I mean, we were just, we were having a heyday at that point. I mean, that's probably the most savage thing I've seen in person in a soccer match. Yeah, like, you'd have to say. Um, And I've had the very good fortune to go to some great soccer matches at higher levels than USL. But I think that's the most savage thing I've seen in person, like, to go with a Panenka, I mean, this dude is cold-blooded. He hasn't taken a single PK for us this season. Solomon was our penalty kick taker early in the year. And so this is the first match Solomon's gone, and we need to come up with a new taker. And interesting, you know, right after John goes down and gets the penalty call, I remember talking to you about this. Baccaro grabbed the ball. Baccaro wanted to take this kick, and John ripped it out of his hands. He was like, this is my kick. I earned this penalty. Well, yeah. he earned a lot more penalties after that one. But when he kicked that, I thought that was going to sky over the bar. I was like, oh, no. And it just just barely dropped under that crossbar. And they don't show it on the uh, TV broadcast, but that keeper was pissed. He grabbed that ball. He punted it out to uh, New Mexico after that one went in. He was <laughs> pissed. But you're right. The supporter section was going nuts. I was recording that on Snapchat, and I had to share that later that night, and that ended up going kind of viral. That's probably the most viral tweet that our Rising is One account has had. That was almost 100 likes. Um, so it was, just, it was just crazy. I mean, you don't see stuff like that. Oh, no. And, and it makes me think that, you know, Adam John had this in mind the entire time. He, you know, no one, when he got fouled, no one else was taking that penalty kick. Good on Baccaro to try and be that leader and step up. I, I like to see that, but I also like to see him step aside and respect John. And, you know, you after that penalty, I believe that's when Baccaro jumps on John's back, you know, and they're just celebrating the entire with the entire crowd. And I think that, you know, that was a great moment. And, you know, for us as Phoenix Rising fans, we haven't had those moments yet much this season so to get that it was you know just such a great great way to uh 
to get this match underway. I mean, we were still only at 27 minutes at this point. It was still very early on when this happened. Good lord, though. Michael Nelson has a family. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, you said he was pissed, and I mean, rightfully so. I, I mean, you can't blame him at all for being upset in that situation. And, and I mean, he was so close to making that save, too. So, I mean, I, you, you really do feel for him. And, and hopefully, you know, he looks back at it and he's not too upset. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just quality class from Adam John there. I hope, yeah, Rick Schantz has got to be uh, keeping that in the back of his mind next time. He's got to, you know, decide who's taking penalties. Well, and I think even when Solomon comes back, I mean, if John is able to do that on his first penalty, I think that shows the cool nerves that he has in those situations. Um, some people will recall a couple years ago in MLS playoffs, Adam John had the winning penalty kick against Atlanta United in an MLS playoff match. Um, so he seems to thrive in those big moments. Um, and so I think he's going to be that guy at least for the next one or two. And if he keeps putting them in, he's probably not going to do more Panecas, but if he keeps putting them in, it's really his spot to lose. Um, wow. So 2-0 up. Michael Nelson's family is disgraced. And we move to the late parts of this half. Um, RGV tries to come up with a couple half chances, but nothing that really, really threatened Zach Lubin. I thought that we did a great job remaining composed clearing balls and passing the ball well after we were up 2-0 because we haven't played with the lead too much this season and you know when we had it against El Paso we were pretty defensive we were kind of letting them take it to us and just handle our defensive business but we weren't really trying to play the possession at all um and then Colorado Springs we were briefly ahead we couldn't hold that lead we allowed them to get up and uh and score on us right there. I mean, we did give up some opportunities in the second half, but I think to end this first half, it was very composed. And that's kind of important. Guys were blocking shots. Guys were still playing hard. People weren't switching off like we've seen earlier this season. And then um, right before halftime, Kavan takes a crack like you were talking about off air. What were your thoughts on that late first half? I mean, I think it. I think it was good to see. You know, you you talked about it. There's been a lot of times to where we've, you know, switched off, and um, teams, you know, have been able to capitalize against us and go into half with something, or you know, yeah. So I think that it was it was good for us to continue at the pace we were going. I think we started the match really well, and that continued through the first half. Um, I mean, that Kavan Freder chance. I I talked about it off air. I love love seeing that, and I really I really do Lambert. think at some point. <laughs> Or Lambert, yeah, sorry, sorry. Woo, look at me getting ahead of myself. Um, I really think that someday for Lambert, you know, that's going to that's gonna end up in the back of the net. He's going to get one of those Vincent Company goals that, you know, he just rips it from 30 yards out, and no goalie's going to make that save. So really something I love to see, and I loved seeing him play more in our offensive third of the field. I think, you know, it was a good night for him being able to have Musa back there to help cover defensively. It really freed him up to be a little bit more creative than uh, what we've seen in weeks past. For sure. Um, I think just being ahead 2-0 kind of took everyone, it took the pressure off of everyone a little bit. We were still able to play hard, but we were, we were having fun. We were scoring great goals. Um, and I think this was more than any other match this season 
a match where Adam John really took that number nine role and he played like the baller number nine that we were expecting this season. A guy that just lifts the entire team up with great individual efforts and takes the game by the scruff and just gives everyone that peace of mind. Because he's scored goals for us before, but this was, I mean, Cortez had a few games like this last year where he scored an early goal that set the tone for the match. Um, and just everyone knew that he was going to be the focal point that he was going to have, he was going to shoulder that load for the team. And it just allowed everyone else to play more relaxed, more free. This is the first match where John just executed perfectly, like really took that role on. And uh, it gave everyone a huge lift. Yeah, no, that it did. I think, I think it allows us to, you know, play better and not have to rely so much on playing out wide and constantly crossing the balls in when defenses you know they'll just play compact compact to defend against that so i think that yeah i mean john definitely stepped up for me his best match in a rising kit so far and uh yeah i mean i think i think the most clinical part for me is that finish from flemings i mean to get his foot on that ball and redirect it in the back of the net that was just a great finish and i really i mean i had to pinch myself and realize that it wasn't Chris Cortez scoring, that it was now Adam John and uh, just, you know, great way to start the match. And, you know, this really was a fun first half. It, we haven't had many this year. So uh, to have this, you know, at home on dollar beer night, it was, it was a sign of good things to come. Definitely. Um, so we get to halftime up two nil, uh, no substitutions at the break for either side. Both sides wait a little bit longer to make their substitutions. Um, and so we get into the early second half, and right away RGV is pushing hard to get it back in this match. And Zach Lubin saves our butts early in the second half. First, Wilma Cabrera has an interesting shot um, that Lubin gets down to save. And then in the 52nd minute, RGV has a three, uh, a triple chance. The first one, um, Jesus Enriquez. Uh, takes a shot from about 10 yards out. Lubin gets the save, but the ball bounces back into the center of the box. And then Wilmer Cabrera shoots it, and Lubin on his butt makes a kick save. Unbelievable kick save. Just to keep the ball out of the net that time. Then it goes for a third chance, and uh, Michael Salazar has the entire right side of the goal open from three yards out, and he misses the post. He misses it like six inches to the right. I mean, right in front of our faces. This is unbelievable how he misses from that kind of range. I mean, but kudos to Lubin to even make those initial saves because there shouldn't have even been a third chance. The ball should have already been in the back of the net. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that second one where he makes the feet, the save with his feet while he's on his butt. I mean, it, it, just unreal. And, and like you said, I mean, most of the time that goes in. And I think for me, this is this is what shows why Lubin is starting as our keeper. I mean, he just has the tenacity and his ability, technical ability to make these saves. And, you know, to be able to have the awareness to move like that while he's, you know, t on a seat, taken on the ground to move his feet like that. I mean, it's just it's so awesome, and I mean, it's it's so great to be able to have goalies, both Zach Lubin and Carl Wazinski, of such quality that we can, you know, count on to get us out of these situations. For sure. Um, and I think it's a key, a key moment in the match, because if they put a goal in there, 
It's 2-1. There's still 40 minutes left. This is an RGV team that's capable of scoring goals. Like we said last week, 13 goals in their last four matches coming into this match. So they could have poured it on. They scored four against Los Dos in the last 20 minutes of that match. So they can score in a hurry, and I think had that ball gone in, that gives them that confidence. Suddenly they're pressing our defense really hard, and now we're, we're struggling just to hold that 2-1 lead. But instead we make those saves, and then Salazar misses, and it just frustrates them that much more. Now they're getting in their own heads. Can't even tap it in from three yards out. There's a freaking wall in front of the net. You know, this just isn't our night. That's the psychological effect that those saves can have. And uh, it's super important that we had that cushion um, because our JV continued to attack and eventually did score. Um, we move on in this match. Adam John has a chance for a hat trick, but it was a tough chance. His header misses. Um, and we were pressing for that third goal. Eventually, we do get the third goal. I believe we made a substitution first. Um, I hate how laggy this USL Championship page is. But just work with me here. Um, so, okay, so the substitutions were actually after all the goals. So no goals until the 69th minute. And uh, we're still hanging on up 2-0. There was also an RGV player that went down that, I mean, ridiculous rolling around kind of stuff. So anyone that says just Phoenix Rising does that, I mean, that's that's crazy. Jesus Enriquez um, went down and was rolling around like Neymar. There was a great uh, Game of Thrones-inspired chain chant going on at him for a couple minutes there. That was great. Um, but I feel like, if anything, you're hurting your own team by laying on the ground like that for two minutes. I mean, you're losing 2-0. It wasn't yeah. a serious enough injury that he couldn't get off the pitch like he wasn't stretchered off so like get off the pitch and like get treatment and if you need to make a sub make a sub quick if you're losing 2-0 i don't know why he did that but i mean it's kind of dumb because you're just hurting your own team and the momentum that rgv was building at that point um but i mean it worked out for us more time bleeds off the clock their momentum kind of gets killed and then in the 69th minute um Right at the 69-minute mark, uh, we get a corner. The ball bounces around. Musa gets it. And Musa had a great match all match long. Um, he was getting up pretty regularly. He was staying back to get interceptions. Phenomenal all-around performance. Here he's like, you know what? I'm feeling myself. I'm going to take a rip. He crushes this thing from 30 yards out perfectly into the bottom corner. What were you thinking when that ball hit the back of the net? Uh, I mean, I can tell you two seconds before that, when I saw Musa kicking it, I thought it was going into the sweets. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I was thinking, you know, it was just unreal at that point. It was just ecstasy because to, to have a player who, like we said, hasn't even scored for us, hasn't featured a lot this season, you know, he's starting this match and he did have a solid matchup until that point. To have a player, a defensive, you know, center midfielder who has the confidence to take the ball down off a corner like that, off of, off of just a simple clearance, control it and just rip it into that bottom corner, like you said. I mean, 
Nelson just did not have a great day their goalie and I mean it was just there was nothing he could do about that one I mean it that thing was goal bound and that would have gone through Nelson I think if he tried to make the save just because there was so much power behind that ball and for Musa I mean I just I'm so happy for him I think this is you know been long long time coming and hopefully you know this is just a start of something great for him because I think with the ability to score shots now you know he's gonna have to see him as more of a threat um and i think for musa this probably earns him more minutes so uh hopefully you know that is the result and it helped phoenix out immensely i said to you right then that you know being up three nil versus two nil if rgv does get one back we we can still breathe you know it's not going to be uh as tight of a match as it would have been if you know we'd been only up by one goal versus being now up by three goals at that point oh for sure and this is also a match where I feel like up to this point in the season, we've just been off on these kinds of chances. You know, the one touch from Adam John, the long blasted shots, they were missing by a few feet or a couple inches or they were hitting the bar. You know, these kind of half chances finally were hitting the back of the net for us last night. Um, and that was important because I don't feel like we created a lot of very clear-cut chances. I think RGB did a good job of limiting our counterattacks. I don't recall us having an, a large number of counterattacks, which is kind of unusual because usually we'll get like four or five solid counterattacking runs in a match. I don't really recall more than like one or two from Friday. And so we didn't have as many of those really clear, really unmarked chances. So we needed to take those half chances yesterday. And thankfully, the guys were up for it. Um, if we can get that kind of finishing the rest of this season, it's going to help us out so much because there will be matches where the other team's fine with us playing good possession. And if we're going to control the ball, 54% possession like last night, we're going to need to break defenses down. And we had struggled with that. This time, we are able to just bypass the that final pass entirely and rip it in. Um we might need that direct approach in several matches this year. So it was really good to see. Absolutely. I, I think I think that's a great point, and I agree with you because last year, I mean, we were so lethal on the counterattack that it seems like now this year a lot of teams have, yeah, like you said, allowed us to kind of play around a little bit and to not give us those counterattacking opportunities. So, you know the past few weeks when we've had to play direct we uh we haven't you know been able to get those finish those opportunities and it's it's been very frustrating as a phoenix rising fan to watch that and to see us you know just be able to get so close near the goal and then just have nothing come of it that it really was in you know seemed like the switch was flipped and you know just last night or last friday night was just a perfect example of you know when this team does play direct of what we can do and how you know we can just control a match and we didn't have many opportunities like you said but we definitely took advantage of the ones we were given and um you know it was a nice little change of pace for us and hopefully this is you know the start of something new for us and you know we take this into the next couple matches because uh i know against new mexico we're gonna need it yeah and i think i think this is the formula that we're looking for this season teams um, as one of our commenters pointed out last week, have started scouting us differently. They have taken away the counterattack as much as possible. So we're going to have to score goals in different ways. Set pieces, um, long shots, 
you know, well-placed balls that beat an offside trap. That's how we're going to have to score goals this year. And so being able to convert those half chances, that's going to make such a huge difference because that allows us to actually play the possession style and not rely on counterattacks as much. Um, earlier this season, we've been a little bit unlucky. We haven't been able to execute like that. But I, I think if we can if we can put our shooting boots on like that, we're going to have a lot of good nights moving forward. Uh, so we, we go to the 71st minute. It's a good thing Musa scored right there in the 69th because moments later, RGV comes up the left wing. Uh, they put a ball in. Lubin blocks it, but it goes right to Malik Foster. Kind of bounces in between our center backs, and he puts it right in, so it's 3-1. And so, you know, we still have that cushion like you're talking about. If it's 2-1 there... Nervy, nervy moments. Yeah, very, very. I mean, especially, you know, you just, if it's 2-1 there, as a, as a Phoenix Rising fan, I mean, you just think back to that Colorado Springs match, you know, so recently to, to give it up at the very depth like that. Um, I mean, it, yeah, in RGV, like you said, he, they scored four second-half goals against uh, Los Dos recently. So, you know, they have it in their arsenal. I think that just you know great timing of the way things played out for phoenix and um you know unfortunate to give up that goal but i think it was it was like we talked about it was one of those instances where our defense did switch off unfortunately and uh got caught ball watching and you know our gv is a good team if they're given you know a few opportunities they're usually going to convert at least one of those so uh that ended up being the story but i think what I did like was, you know, we didn't let that phase us too much. I don't think we still played our game and didn't let RGV get into their tempo, which really I think would have hurt us if that was the case. Right, and um, credit for Rick Schantz making a substitution shortly after they put that goal in. Um, I think RGV had another chance that was saved. Um, we had a couple chances that missed from John and Kevon Lambert, and then... Both teams make a substitution. We bring on Jose Aguinaga for Junior Flemings. Um, I think that was a smart move. I've been critical of Aguinaga, but I think when you're ahead 3-1 and you need someone that can make passes and you don't need that attacking threat as much, it's a good move. Especially, I mean, Flemings working really hard for 75 minutes. Um, didn't seem to be too much a part of the attack. He wasn't a focal part of the attack, so you're not losing too much there seemed like a smart substitution bring on some fresh legs and i think we were in a pretty good passing groove for a large part of that late match there were stretches where we were passing the ball well and it it kind of threw rgv off they weren't able to sustain a lot of pressure after that and it kind of helped us see it through yeah, no, I, I really like the substitutions there. Um, as you said, Aguinaga, he's got a great ability from what I've seen to hold up with the ball and to retain the ball when he receives it. Um, not often that he, he receives the ball and gives it away. You know, if he's making a pass, he's usually giving it to another rising player. So for me, I haven't seen, you know, the, the finishing from him that I expected. But uh, I think that, yeah, great substitution for the situation. And, I mean, yeah, Flemings, you know, worked hard, didn't have the biggest impact. He did have an assist on John's goal. But, uh, I mean, for me, I think Sean's, yeah, he's thinking about that, thinking about keeping the game in grasp. And he might be even looking forward to, you know, the next few matches that are coming up, knowing that we're going to rely on Flemings in those. So 
I think it was very good substitutions that we made. And it's kind of surprising to only see two substitutions, but I think part of it was, you know, Rick Schantz really liked what was going out on the field and the way that we were playing. So he didn't want to tinker too much with it and, uh, you know, have things go haywire. Yeah, and I think that's also been a theme. There have been a lot of matches where he's held off on a third substitution. He's made two. I know last week against Orange County, he only made two. Um, so that might be an interesting trend to watch. But yeah, it worked out for us this time. Ben Spencer makes a late cameo, um, replacing Adam John, who got the applause he deserved. Um, and yeah, not nothing too crazy at the end. RGV gets a few shots, but mostly off target. And nothing that's, you know, a serious save. And uh, we kind of lock it down, get the 3-1 win in front of 6,715 fans. Um, so that's cool. It moves us right up the table. We'll get to the full USL standings later, but we are currently in the 10th position. It moved us all the way up to 8th on Friday night. So any last thoughts on that match? Um, I mean, for those people thinking that, you know, the, the Phoenix rising of last season is back, I think we need to, you know, take a breath and realize that, you know, this was one match. It was at home and it was on dollar beer night. So I think, you know, there was never a doubt on the result. But uh, I think, you know, RGV is a good team. There have always been a very solid, difficult team. But I mean, they're by no means the best team in the West. Um, we did have a good match, but I mean, we have a very, very difficult opponent in New Mexico coming to town midweek. And like we talked about, Las Vegas hasn't had the best road form, but I still think, you know, they will present something for us. So I think, you know, we still have a few important matches coming up, and really the mentality we need to have is just the next one up and keep looking forward because, as you said, we're in the 10th spot right now, right on the edge of playoffs, and, uh, you know, that's not where any of us expect to be. So there's still a lot of work to be done. For sure. Um, well, that's a perfect transition right into the New Mexico match, uh, dropping their name. And it's a team I that's kn- only... I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I know you do. So, it's an interesting uh, match we got in the Open Cup. Michael Watts on Twitter said that this is the matchup that he's most looking forward to in the second round of Open Cup. Uh, most USL sides are playing, you know... Uh, NPSL, you know, amateur sides, maybe USL League One, the occasional USL Two, um, but no, we are stuck with New Mexico United in the second round. Um, I think the only other USL Western Conference matchup between two USL teams is Austin Bold hosting Tulsa, which, I mean, even there, like the quality of both those teams not at the same par of Phoenix and New Mexico. And we're all in the central region, so we just got really shafted. I mean, I mean, San Antonio gets to play an amateur side. El Paso gets to play forward Madison. That would have been amazing if we got to host them. Um, <laughs> there are definitely some fun matchups, but we want to focus on Phoenix versus New Mexico. And it'll be fascinating to see New Mexico's lineup on Sunday. We haven't seen the match against El Paso yet. By the time you guys hear this, they will have already played. And I'm fascinated to see what kind of lineup New Mexico trots out because they're playing, you know, 
in El Paso. They're probably going to have to bus it to Phoenix from there. And then they have to play here three days later. So they have two days fewer rest than us. Then on Saturday, three days after that match, they got to travel up to Colorado Springs. So it's kind of a brutal stretch for them. Just just travel-wise. That's a brutal stretch. And three matches in seven calendar days. You know, they're only getting uh, two rest days between each match. I mean, that's tough. So that bodes well for us. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I can just say I'm glad not to be a New Mexico United player over this next week because that travel and the run of games, you know, against, you know, solid teams in El Paso, Phoenix, and Colorado, um, I mean, that's very tough for them. I mean, you think about it. Yeah, they likely don't return to Albuquerque in between any of those. Um, so, I mean, it's it's going to be a long road trip, and the lineup is going to be really what's key. I mean, it's, it's as you said, depending on who plays on Sunday against El Paso is going to, you know, dictate who plays Wednesday against Phoenix, and that will dictate who plays next weekend against Colorado. It's, it's going to be one of those things that, you know, management's really going to have, you know, a job set out for them to, to get the right guys on the pitch. And for me as well, I'm going to be interested in who, you know, how Phoenix approaches this, how how Rick Schantz approaches this, because we've talked about it. The Open Cup has been a, a bit of a disappointment for us the past few seasons, not being able to get many matches in it. So I think that, uh, you know, this year, I think we really do have a bit of an eye on that Open Cup and making that fourth round appearance against an MLS club. So I, I really think that we hopefully see a stronger lineup, but... Uh, I mean, we talked about it. There will definitely be some names that weren't in the 11 this uh, this past Friday. Yeah, I think I think you're going to see a mix. I think it's an important enough match that you'll see some returning starters, but you'll also see, you know, some rotation. And, you know, the guy that everyone's thinking about is Solomon Asante because this guy hasn't played in a while now. Um, he was in Ghana. Uh, for his father's burial on Friday. So he should be back in the States by the time this match comes around. I don't know if the team is going to play it safe, maybe put him on as a sub uh, on Wednesday and then have him ready to start by Saturday. Or they're thinking, you know what, Like he's such a beast, he missed zero matches for us prior to having to go to Ghana and take care of that and just throw him right back in the starting 11. If he's able to start for us, that's a huge boost. Um, and it's, it's something that I'm sure the staff is considering. Um, unfortunately we don't have Solo's travel itinerary, so I don't know. I mean, maybe by the time you guys are listening to this, he'll be back already and he'll have a chance to practice with the guys and maybe he'll be match fit. I don't know. My gut says he is probably going to be subbed on on Wednesday he'll probably be like a super sub option and maybe around the 60th minute if it's a nil nil or it's a one one and we need something to spark us especially if there's a possibility of extra time that's where you see him come on yeah I'm with you there um I mean I would you'd have to think he he's probably coming back from Ghana you know today or tomorrow sometime soon um but you know we don't like I said we don't have that intel but uh yeah I mean for me I think I think a super sub role is a great role for him and I mean if I'm Rick Schantz I want to see something similar to what I had Friday night against RGB because you know that that team really showed a lot on the field so if 
you know, he can put out a similar type of lineup and, you know, get something early against New Mexico, maybe he doesn't even need to bring Asante on. So I think I think it's, you know, one of those situations where he can maybe, you know, kind of play his cards close to his vest and, uh, you know, play that late Asante ace and, you know, see what happens. I, I think we'll see Carl in net. I think we'll see Mala in the back line. Um, I think we'll see Devin Vega get a start in the midfield. Um, but I also expect some regulars. I think out of necessity, we're going to have to start Adam John again. Um, he did get subbed off late, so he didn't have the full wear and tear of a full 90 minutes. And really, if you think about it, playing on Friday night helps us a lot. Because we have four days between matches. We have, you know, it's only two days shorter than a normal week between matches. So a lot of the guys that started on Friday, they'll be good to go again. So I think you might see Baccaro start again. I think you'll probably see Kalistri start again. I don't know if you'll see Fleming start, but he could definitely be substituted on if he's not starting. Um, you know, possibly Lambert, probably the center backs, or at least one of the center backs. Um, you know, maybe... Gadula comes on. We haven't heard much of him this season, uh, but he is on loan for us, unless Cincinnati recalled him, which I don't believe he, they have. Um, you might see Austin Ledbetter get on. So there's there's a lot up in the air, but I do expect some regular starters to start in this match because we have had, you know, by the time we play on Wednesday, almost a full week to prepare. So I don't think there's going to be significant wear and tear on people. No, I don't think so either. And I mean, we're still early on in the season. You know, we're almost to the middle of May. Middle of May by the time this match comes. I, I don't think I don't think this is where we need to worry about guys' bodies breaking down and, you know, them playing so many matches. I think, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of guys who, you know, have, have plenty of time to recover, especially the younger guys, which is most of our team now so i i think absolutely there's you know there's potential for every one of the guys who played you know on friday to start i think this is really going to be up to coach rick and what he sees what i do like is the fact that we've already played new mexico i think that gives us you know a little bit not an advantage because new mexico knows what they're going to get from us but just a good you know kind of homework on our opponent and how we can you know break this team down and limit their opportunities i mean sandy moore and kavon freighter are going to be who we're going to have to stop. We already know that. But uh, they have a lot of other weapons on New Mexico as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how we come out in this match. Yeah, I I personally, I think we're going to pull this one out. For a weird reason, I feel more confident about this match than a lot of matches this season. I just think you can't underestimate how difficult it is to play against a rival in El Paso on Sunday night. Then to do a six-hour bus, so you're getting into Phoenix, like, super late. Or maybe they're just bussing it to Albuquerque, and then they're going to have to bus it to from Albuquerque to Phoenix the next day, which is even more travel in that case. I mean, it's not a good situation. If I were a New Mexico fan, I'd be pissed about that Open Cup draw, because that's just rough. And then you have to come to Phoenix, play on Wednesday night. Everyone's going to be grinding hard in that match on Sunday. This is not like a Tacoma defiance where you can sit a lot of guys. They're going to probably field a very strong first-team lineup. 
to stay at the top of the table. So I would expect, you know, the key contributors like Santi Moore, Kevon Freider, probably to be on the bench on Wednesday, maybe substituted on late. Um, maybe they'll give Freider the start because of what he can do against us. But honestly, I'd be surprised if I see Sandoval starting, if I see Santi Moore starting, if I see Chris Weehan starting. You know, Mizell, they'll probably start because he's been such a stud in the goal for them. Um, you know, maybe they'll rotate a couple people like Sam Hamilton out today so that he can start on Wednesday. Former rising legend Sam Hamilton. But, uh, no, I, I don't think it's going to be a mostly first-team New Mexico United starting 11. And I think that plays into our hands, whereas we're probably going to have half and half. They might only be starting two or three regulars. I think we'll be starting like six, maybe, and and still have all of our guys available. Um, plus the extra days of rest. I, I think we'll, I think we'll come out on top. It's gonna be hard, but especially if it goes into extra time, I think that would even benefit too. Yeah, I agree. I think I think extra time. You know, we definitely would see where everyone's fitness is at especially New Mexico they would be uh, they'd be pretty tired at that point but i i agree with you i think we have a really good chance i mean that's this match is going to be a very close difficult match i don't expect it to be a blowout by any means but uh yeah i think phoenix does have a very good chance and i mean this you know you think back to that san francisco delta game in the open cup that uh we were so close to you know to to winning that match and i think this is you know an opportunity that phoenix rising fans will be very hungry for um last season was a very weird you know kind of cup set for us that we had to go against us so this year i think you know we have eyes on on making that fourth round appearance and i really really think that uh this match you know hopefully goes our way and we're able to get get on a hot start from it i think you know if we're able to get a similar result against new mexico that we did against rtv then we can you know start to put more stock into this team and what they're doing out there um i'm gonna put a score on this i'm gonna say new mexico's too good to be shut out but i also think solomon asante coming on as a second half sub is gonna blow new mexico's minds their legs are gonna be so tired and for him even just to play 30 minutes in this match 30 minutes of Solomon Asante fresh back out on the pitch, playing with a purpose, playing with motivation, is going to blow their minds, and he's going to tear it up. And I think he'll have a key assist on a game-winning goal. I'll say 2-1 Phoenix Rising, probably in regular time. If it takes extra time, so be it. I, I just see that, that playing out. I do feel surprisingly confident about this. I, I like that. I think I agree with you completely on Asante's, you know, uh, how he comes into this match. And I think, you know, there's going to be a fire there that we haven't seen from him in a long time. It'll have been an emotional journey for him. And I think he'll just be ready to get back on the field and work. And that's, you know, we all know Asante does that best. And, um, I, yeah, I, I really do think 2-1 is a great scoreline. I think, you know, there's no doubt that New Mexico scores. And, unfortunately, it's probably going to be Kavon Freider scoring against us back at his old home. Again, I don't want it to be. Knock on wood, it's not. But uh, we'll see. But, yeah, I think 2-1 is a great scoreline. And, yes, hopefully it is in regular time because it is a weeknight and I do not have time for extra time soccer when I have to be up uh, early Thursday morning. <sighs> 
<laughs> and it's still the work week. <laughs> you and me both, man. That's true, true words. But hey, man, if it goes all the way to PKs, it did last year. You know we're staying for every single kick. Oh yeah, I'm not. I won't be leaving, and I'm just you know going to be pissed when I hit the alarm clock in the morning and uh, show up with bags under my eyes to work the next day. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so then we move to Saturday's match, which we probably won't go into as much detail with. Las Vegas Lights, they actually come in fifth place in the Western Conference right now, 14 points. But that's a little bit deceptive because home and away, they've been Jekyll and Hyde. At home, Las Vegas is top of the USL table, you know, four wins, one draw, no losses. They are just banging in goals left and right. They're beating everyone um, at home. Uh, they've taken down... They've. The only team they didn't beat there was Austin Bolt, but they took down Sac Republic pretty convincingly. Um, they beat Colorado Springs 3-0 this weekend. Um, they beat Monarchs at home. So this is a good Vegas side at home. On the road, zero wins, one draw, four losses. And they, you know, this is why they were down at the bottom of the table early this season. Because... They can't do anything outside their friendly confines. I mean, they lose at OKC Energy. They lose at San Antonio. They lose at Timbers 2. They lose at RGV 5-2. And they get a nil-nil draw against Los Dos. In all of their away matches this season, except for Los Dos, they've given up at least two goals. Um, they also haven't been scoring very well. I mean... They've only scored more than one goal in one of those matches, and it was the one where they got drubbed by RGV. Um, they actually have a pretty decent goal differential, though. Uh, a plus-four goal differential, 18 goals already this season. Um, Sammy Ochoa has been a mainstay up front. He's been scoring a lot. Um, but it's it's been a lot of young guys, some of whom came from Cal FC for the lights, that have been contributing in these attacks. What is your opinion on Las Vegas so far? I mean, the results show they're a bit of a mixed bag, but I think eventually it will start to click on the road. Um, when all the, I mean, he's still, you know, implementing his system and how he wants this Las Vegas team to play, but you have to say at home it's it's worked. You know, it's gotten them the results. They, I think they're a lot like Phoenix, that they feed off their home crowd and that they're able to get that home field advantage and the supporters are able to, you know, get them those crucial moments back them up and help them earn that victory. But uh, I think that this, this match, as you said, you know, they haven't done anything on the road so far, but it is still a match that I would be weary of. I mean, you just think back to last season's uh, Las Vegas matches and, you know, they were, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. We dominated them at home. They dominated us at home. So it's, it seems like the home team always has the upper hand, but I think that, it really is going to depend on how the New Mexico match goes. And, you know, I think that Las Vegas, they could present some difficulties for us. But I think if we start off this match how we did against RGV and get a goal or two early on, like you said, they've been very, you know, porous at the back on the road. If we can get a couple goals, I think that, you know, Phoenix Rising is able to cruise to victory. It's just a matter of getting that early start. I think that's really uh, been a key for us in getting our wins. Definitely, and um, they do have Thomas Olsen, who was an FC Tucson player for a couple of years, 
um, made a few appearances for them. He's been okay. They kind of ushered him into the starting job late last year, and now he's taking over. Um, this should be a win, you know. It'll be fun to see Winaldo on the sidelines. Um, hopefully he doesn't attack any of our fans. Um, they're not going to roll over like they did last year. You know, even in their away struggles, they've been scoring in all of their defeats. You know, they had a couple 2-1s in there. They had a 3-1. They, they scored two when they lost to RGV. So they'll fight hard. But, I mean, we we should win this game. Hopefully the Open Cup doesn't take too much out of us. I imagine it takes something out of Vegas, too, because they're going up against Cal FC. A lot of Winalda's current players were former Cal FC players, so that'll be a heated match. I don't expect them to cruise to victory in that. So, you know, I think the short week for both sides helps us more because we're not traveling. So I'll say, like, 3-1. Okay, yeah, and I mean, like I said, if it goes similar to how RGV win, I think that's a good result for us. I think, you know, that's a fair result. It's it's an improved team from Las Vegas of last season. So, I mean, we definitely, I don't think a 4-0 is, is to be expected. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really going to depend, as you said, on New Mexico and how much it takes out of us if that match goes 120 minutes plus. I mean, it's there's a lot of variables that, you know, after Wednesday, we might have a better better idea of how Las Vegas should go. Yeah, and and keep an eye on how how the Las Vegas match goes against Cal FC because, like I said before, I do not expect that to be a cakewalk. Um, so your hot take for a cup set is that is that what I'm getting right here? <laughs> I won't. I won't go out and straight up say that that's going to be a cup set. I will say, keep your eye on that because it okay. should be a good game. Um, there were a couple. I think Ford Madison over El Paso is actually one I could really see happening. Is Ford, that Ford is Madison in El Paso? Their last couple of teams. Um, they've been playing better. It's in El Paso, but I could still see Ford Madison doing the duty, getting on the road and knocking out El Paso. That's one, be, uh... that's one I'll stand by. Okay, okay, wow. I mean, it, I think that'd be really cool to see. I mean, especially a club like Ford Madison so young in their, in their history, and I think that'd be, that'd be really sweet to see. And, I mean, see, that's what this is what you love about the Open Cup. You get a team from Madison, Wisconsin, playing a team from El Paso, Texas. Um, you know, just just doesn't happen often. This is the magic of the Cup. So going to be a very exciting week of soccer. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even realize there's also a Sac Republic-Reno match. That's their second match in four days as part of the Open, yep. Open Cup. That'll be fun. Um Maybe FC Denver gives Colorado Springs some issues. Colorado Springs has been in a real rut lately. SC Denver, you know, it's not a long road trip for them. Maybe they could pull something off. Um, and then the other one that I would laugh really hard if this happens, and I honestly do think this will happen, Cosmos traveling to Hartford and getting a win. Oh man, yeah, that's that's gonna be wild. Cause yeah, either that or Hartford gets a win against the Cosmos in their first win in history. I mean, there's it could go either way. Oh and that, man, the, the storylines would be insane. The so. memes are gonna be electric for that match. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll be looking at USL memes for uh for that match. There should be some hot content coming out, most definitely. I can already see the uh, meme where the guy is sweating and he has the two buttons to press, and it's like <laughs> it's like a the one button is like Hartford losing for the laughs and uh, uh fuck Cosmos, and he's just like, which one? <laughs> Yeah, which which one? Which do I hit? Just shifting his hand back and forth. No, I could see that. That'd be. <laughs> and that was verbal memes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it created the picture though. That was you know imagery. <laughs> Guy, that's gonna be so. That's on Tuesday, by the way. All the other matches we've been talking okay. about have been Wednesday. Hartford, New York is gonna be four thirty on Tuesday. All these matches are gonna be on ESPN Plus. Las Vegas versus Cal FC is also Tuesday night. That's a fun one. Um, if any of you are degenerates who aren't working at 2.30 in the afternoon on Wednesday, El Farolito hosting Fresno in San Francisco at 2.30 on Wednesday afternoon. Maybe they give Fresno a run for their money. Yeah, that's that'd be an interesting that'd be an interesting match, you know, close close rivals and uh yeah, maybe maybe we see something happen there. I think, you know, having espn plus and having the open cup on espn plus for the first time it's it's so exciting it's awesome and i think you know this is just a great way to grow the open cup in you know the casual soccer fans mind giving the accessibility of having it all right there on one platform i it's about time and i think it's you know it's something that i really enjoy and uh i'll be looking forward to seeing how these you know matches are streamed over the next couple days definitely well, I think that's going to do it for our preview against Las Vegas Lights. Um, let's turn now to USL scores and standings because not only was there a lot going on with us, there were a lot of other fun matches to cover this week. So I think the match we can talk about first is one that happened late last night featuring Las Vegas Lights. They get a 3-0 win over Colorado Springs. Um, Sammy Ochoa gets a penalty goal, and Ivan Parra gets a brace. Vegas just does what they do at home. They win. Um, and it's it's funny because people were joking about it last year, but they, you know, they're putting some respect on their name. All the weirdness that happens at home, it doesn't matter because they're getting results. They're looking good. Um, and so, impressive performance. Colorado Springs, though, is just really in a rut and they're in danger of being you know another team like Tacoma where they just don't have a hope in the season yeah they really are and it's it's very interesting when you look at it because I mean when you see that result that they had against Phoenix you figure this team you know they could go somewhere this season they have an opportunity when they steal a point on the road against Phoenix to to really do something and I mean it's it's just since then it's been all downhill for these switchbacks and I mean it's it's just been very tough and like you said they might end up like Tacoma at some point I mean it'll be it'll be interesting to see who ends up at the bottom but uh I mean it's it's uh I think this speaks more to Las Vegas in their home form than uh you know just Colorado switchbacks just can't do anything right yeah I mean they're still trotting Rodriguez out in that um he hasn't really had a performance like he did against us which of course um, Seth hasn't been doing too much up top. They had a uh, a Honduran loan player that, you know, 
he scored a winner against San Antonio, and he hasn't done a lot since then. Kind of weird. Um, and I don't even think he traveled with the team for that match, but whatever. It ends up 3-0. Vegas gets a big win. Um, and speaking of big wins, Reno goes on the road to Sac Republic. Big rivalry match. They fall behind early, and then they score four straight goals to win this one, 4-1. Um, what an embarrassing performance for Sac Republic. I mean, Herzog scores, Brian Brown scores on a very beautiful goal, uh, just a one-touch. Early in the second half, Sacramento Republic had a chance that hit the bar, and then there was a dude standing right in front of the goal line, and he just whiffed on the ball. A tap-in would have done the job. You know, just super frustrating. And then Reno, in the last 10 minutes, puts it away. Mendiola in the 83rd, Herzog in the 88th. 4-1 win for Reno. And uh, I think Cohen had a mistake on one of those goals, too. He could have been better. You know, surprisingly bad performances from Sacramento lately. Yeah, it's, it seems like they've hit a little bit of a rough patch. Um, and it, it's it's a bummer that it didn't happen sooner because we could have really used... a. Uh, three points but well, i don't think they played all that well against us i mean well no exactly that's if, what i'm if saying to hit that shot in the 86th minute we walk out of there with a win which would have been huge exactly so it's unfortunate that uh you know we weren't able to put in at least one against them but i i think this is you know sacramento i think the past couple seasons they've kind of had these you know runs of matches where they weren't getting you know the results and especially at home to get beat by reno you know a, a rival of theirs a very close rival i think that's you know that's you know gotta have a very bad taste in their mouth but i think this sacramento team is still very talented and i think you know they're still definitely in contention when it comes to playoffs but uh i mean it's definitely been you know one of those stretches that it's not the teams that any of us would have really expected to be at the top of the table or, or there right now. So it's, you know, it's a really weird time in the US to West, USL Western Conference. Yeah, and I, I, I will say we didn't put enough respect on Sacramento's name. They did beat Fresno on Wednesday 1-0 um, on the road. So that's a pretty good result. Um, so they, they did have something to show for this week. Uh, still, they're struggling to score goals, but they did something earlier in the week. San Antonio and Orange County finished nil-nil. I saw someone on Twitter liking this before the match started to uh, two nerds getting in a slap fight. The first person just whiffs on a punch and it ends up being a slap fight. I mean, nil-nil <laughs> doesn't get more on point than that. Uh, both teams only with three shots on target. Basically identical statistics from this match. Possession, fouls, total shots, everything almost spitting mirror images of each other um and two fan bases that have to be extremely disappointed with that result and how their seasons are going yeah i i mean for me i think san antonio's got to be slightly more disappointed um just because i think you know they had high expectations given this you know players they have in their squad this season um they just you know haven't gotten the results especially at home so, I mean, super difficult, but like you said, I mean, just <laughs> one of those matches that, uh, you know, you can kind of look at and say you didn't miss much and, and move on um, from the, you know, spectator's perspective. Right. 
Um, going back to Friday night, OKC Energy takes an early lead in Austin and then chokes it away. Austin bowled with two goals in the final 30 minutes, including a penalty from Kleber. Back from suspension in the 80th minute, gives Austin bold a 2-1 win, puts them moving on up in the table. OKC wastes a great opportunity to move into the top two in the West. Um, so 2-1 win for Austin. Any takeaways from this match? I mean, I think OKC really let themselves down there. Like you said, they had a great opportunity to, you know, be at the top of the, be near the top of the standings, and um, to to give it up on the road like that, I think, you know, it's it's difficult. But Austin, I think they're starting to finally find an identity as a team, and to finally, you know, get those goals that they didn't have at the start of the season. And I think, you know, as the season goes on, our our loss to them might not look as bad, you know, when they're higher up in the standings. But it's, you know, it seems like they're finally, you know, getting the results on the field. Um, I, I'd be interested to know if they're still pumping farm sounds through the sound system there. But uh, <laughs> well, and interestingly, maybe that's a secret for them. <laughs> and interestingly, they are now with OKC on 14 points, but they've kind of had a flair for the dramatic in some of these matches. You know, they got a late winner against San Antonio in the last 10 minutes. Um, they waited until the second half to score against us. They come from behind with two goals in the final 30 minutes. They haven't really come from behind like that yet this season. And so it got to be frustrating if you're OKC. You're thinking you're in a perfect spot up two or up one nil against a defensive team and your style works best on the counter. That should open things up for you. But Austin finds a way to do it. So that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, it, it is, and especially when you bring up their styles, because that's not—it's not the result you would expect. But uh, you know, soccer is one of those one of those games that it's uh, it's a fickle mistress. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Gosh, I need to hear that on the next uh, <laughs> word sneak. Yeah. If you're listening, Mike Watts, um, he'd probably be like, "Well, that's technically two words." So. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I can give him a hard time because we went to school together. But uh, three matches today. Um, t- today. By the time you guys are listening, these already happened. But we got um, Tacoma hosting Timbers 2. And actually, I can check because that match is going to start soon. Let's see if there's going to be an MLS lone monster in that match. The previously mentioned El Paso, New Mexico... Um, Southwest Derby at 5 o'clock. Um, that should be a fun, fun match. I'm definitely trying to get a stream of that going. And then Los Dos hosting Fresno. Uh, key match for Fresno to get some momentum after losing earlier this week. And uh, Los Dos has been good at home. So this will be tricky for both sides. Um, but let me hop on the Twitter and see if Sounders 2 is putting that MLS Lone Monster out there. If not, it should be a win for Timbers, too. It should put them up in the standings. So, as the standings... Yeah. As the standings go right now, I just hate the standings right now because of all these teams that are tied. I'm not even kidding. There are six teams on 14 points. So... Yeah, it's, it's so... It's a traffic jam right now. I was looking at the points this morning, and I mean, it's just... 
it's so congested. I mean, it's it's given me allergies. <laughs> <laughs> you and Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Good grief. By the way, Aaron uh, texted us. He says he says four three open cup win. He sees some goals in that match. Oh, I, I'm okay. assuming that's going to be extra time because that's a lot of goals in 90 minutes. Not to say it couldn't happen. I mean, we had six in the last one. But. So, so yeah, I mean, then we're talking 3-3, three, three, and then we go to extra time, and okay. I mean, it, shoot, you could even yeah, do 2-2, I mean, and extra yeah, time really could. pops yeah, off. Well, yeah, I, I don't need to have a stroke in the midweek. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can handle that. My heart might, uh, might burst, but, I mean... If it is that, I mean, hopefully it's a 4-3 win our way, like he said, and, uh, yeah, we can have something great to celebrate. But, <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> but, I mean, it, I don't think... I think there is goals. I don't think there's going to be as many goals as, as the last time we saw New Mexico. I think that, you know, we were a little caught off guard in that match and just not ready. Yeah, I don't... I don't see anyone saying anything about the, uh, you know, the Tacoma lineup being a massive MLS lone squad. No one's commented okay. on it like that. Well, actually, Alex Roldon. Didn't he play for Panama in the last World Cup? Uh, I want to say yes. That sounds very familiar. This might actually be an MLS lone monster lineup right here. Let's see. Uh, he might be younger though. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, he's a young like kid. It. He's a young kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, it seems like it. It's the. Uh... They had they had someone that standard got brought down that played for uh, Panama the last World Cup. He must be on the senior team, but uh, yeah, nothing too crazy. So. Should be a win for Tacoma, or uh, for Sounder, or for Timbers. (laughs) All these T's, good lord. Um, So let's run through these standings before we just really veer off track. Right now, New Mexico is atop the table with 17 points. Reno in second with 16. Tulsa in third with 15. Timbers, too, also with 15. By the time you're listening, they will probably be at 18. Las Vegas Lights is at the top of this six-way tie for fifth place. Six teams on 14 points. Um, of those six teams, Austin Bold and Los Dos only have nine matches played. Los Dos has a chance to improve on that point total later this afternoon. In 11th place, we have Fresno with 13 points. Orange County also 13 points. Remember, Fresno only has eight matches played at this point, and so by the time you're listening, they could easily be up to 16. In 13th place, we have El Paso on 12, RGV also on 12. In 15th, we have Monarchs with 11, San Antonio also with 11. And the two teams that are looking most depressing out west, Colorado Springs switchbacks with eight points, and Tacoma with six. Really, not much else to say besides it's a total logjam. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at it, and you know, right now, from sixteen to one is separated by f- six points. I mean, it, it it is just a complete logjam in the West right now. It's it's it makes it fun though. I think you know, right now at least, I I'd like to see Phoenix work our ways up. But I think you know the fact that it's been so tight. There's no clear number one contender right now. Um, you know, we could easily see New Mexico or Reno drop a couple matches, and if Phoenix is able to get into a good, you know, streak of form, I easily could see us getting up in that top four conversation. So there's still, you know, still a lot of room for us to to work our way up the conference, but it's a, uh, you know, it's it's getting very tense, and it's crazy to see all these teams so close in contention. Like you said, it's not something we've had in years past. Definitely fun for everyone except whoever has to do USL standings because then it really <laughs> stinks. Um, well, we can wrap this thing up pretty quick. Um, we should talk about two other local matches that happened. FC Tucson conti- continues its League One season. Uh, not a very fun match for them, though. They go up against Richmond Kickers one of the strong playoff sides. They actually kept him off the board for 83 minutes. This was looking like a nil-nil draw. Um, but then two late goals from Richmond give them the 2-0 win. One of those goals happens late in stoppage time, I imagine, similar to uh, what happened a couple weeks ago when Tucson conceded a goal late in stoppage time. The keeper was up. Those don't help the goal differential too much, but... You know, these things happen. Um, You know, Orlando City B is just trash, but everyone else is very, very closely packed. You know, North Texas at the top, unbeaten. But two through nine are only separated by four points in the League One table. Um, FC Tucson currently in the ninth spot, but they have seven points from six matches. Respectable. And forward Madison, they're in that fourth playoff position just one point ahead of FC Tucson. Um, So a lot of hope there. It's just going to be tough with all the travel. I think in the summertime, Tucson can do well with that home field edge with the heat. But it's going to be really tough to go on the road. You know, just none of the teams that they're playing are even close to them. Um, You know, maybe they could get the occasional result against like a Lansing or Greensville, but it's going to be really tough. And they've been playing the good teams on the road so far. Yeah, they have. I, I believe they've only had a couple home matches too. So, I mean, definitely going to be difficult. But like you said, I think if, if their you know schedule does allow them to have you know quite a bit of home matches during those warm summer months, there should no doubt be an advantage for for the Tucson side. I mean, it's it's very difficult for these teams to come from the East Coast and come play down here in that dry heat. So. You know, they're still young. I think, you know, they uh, they probably hurting a little bit by having Rising loan out some of their better players. Um, I know Kyle Bjornthorn, I believe, and Ledbetter as well, you know, both have been with the Rising team. So to have two key defensive players gone for Tucson, that's definitely uh, hurt them a little bit. For sure. Um, so a lot of season left there. I mean, their three losses are against Tormenta twice, who's in second place, and at Richmond, who's in third. So, and those are, you know, two of those three on the road. So, they're definitely in the mix. 
Um, moving a little bit closer to home, Sporting Arizona had a match, um, a derby match against a team from Mesa yesterday. And they got a 2-1 win. Pretty cool setup. Uh, they were playing at South Mountain. They had $2 tickets for people that showed a rising ticket from the night before. Um, so a pretty nice little cross promo. Definitely a few rising fans were out there. Aaron Blau made it out for that match. Um, John McPherson made it out for that match. I was trying to make it out for that match, but I was just getting back from Lake Havasu City late that afternoon, and I missed that they changed the start time from 7.30 to 5. So, wasn't going to happen. By the time I got back, the match already started. So, But, two wins and two matches for Sporting AZ. Yeah, exciting to see them, you know, get their get their season off to a good start and really cool, I think, to see that promotion from them, you know, $2 tickets with the rising ticket. I think that's a great way to support local soccer and really that's, you know, we talk about these other clubs here in Arizona because that's really what we care about is supporting soccer here in the state. So, you know, awesome to see, you know, that kind of cooperation with each other and hopefully that continues in the future because i think it's it's just great for the growth of the game and i think that is another key in mls's mind is not only how is the city doing but how is the state you know will people travel from far out in the state not immediately near the stadium to come to matches if we if we can do that and develop you know soccer culture all throughout the state i think you know it just makes the, our bid so much more attractive for sure um yeah, we won't talk about that other team that Aaron likes to mention every once in a while. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't do that here. So, yeah, we'll just move on there. <laughs> um, but yeah, great time for soccer culture in the state. You know, amazing Premier League season just ended too. Man City getting the uh, Premier League title over Liverpool. Champions League was incredible. Europa League. Chelsea wins and PKs, you know, football's coming home. There's a lot going on right now, so just fun time to be a soccer fan. Um, but I think we can wrap this up. There was one supporter section question um, that was asking, is there any update on the stadium renovations and expanded capacity? No. The team hasn't gone public with anything like that, uh, any updates yet, and I haven't seen anything about that, so right <laughs> like yeah no I, I my comment was going to be um you're asking the wrong person i know uh burke bakai tweet at him and uh let's see what kind of response we get but no i mean it's it, we've we haven't heard a thing and and that's that's typical in these kinds of processes i work in construction and you're not you're not going to release any renderings any of these details until it's it's clear and you know especially in a situation like this where you're building on tribal land there's a lot of you know, paperwork and legality that needs to be worked out. So I think, you know, this is just one of those situations. The time will come, but we just, uh, we got to be patient. Definitely. Um, thank you, Jordan Janice, for asking that question. So at this point, uh, any final thoughts? Um, I mean, it, great win, but I, like I said, this should just be a springboard to, to next week and to what's to come. I mean, it, it was a great win, but... We can't put too many eggs in this basket. It, I mean, RGB is a difficult opponent, but...
but they're also not top of the West. You know, we see that team, maybe not the full first team, but we do see New Mexico United next Wednesday, and that really, I think, is, is going to be crucial. I think we just need to take this one match at a time. We we showed a lot in the last 20 minutes versus Orange County and came out with that same type of fire against RGV. So really, I think we just need to keep continuing with that, keep starting in that kind of fashion because for me this team i mean we really really thrive if we start well if you know we're encouraging early on i think that's you know when the fans get behind us and even when they're on the road the players start to build belief so for me it's just going to be you know more of the same from last week and hopefully we're able to go out and get you know both these wins this uh this upcoming week and we got a lot to celebrate next weekend absolutely um great to finally see us get back on track Amazing to see all the national attention that we got, um, and good to see the local teams playing well too. Sporting AZ getting a win. Uh, shout out to Kyle Kepner for all he does over there. Um, and yeah, two huge matches. Let's get this Open Cup win. Let's get it rolling against Vegas. Um, I think things are looking better again, but still, huge, huge week. And I'm going to be really bummed out if we don't get this Open Cup win. We got to get that done. Um, and a little sh- a little uh, tease, too. I might be on network radio this week. Oh, so, um, okay. I might be on 1580 AM. Just, no way. That's a sweet. Just uh, Congratulations, eyes, hopefully. Yeah, eyes and ears. Eyes and ears open for that. We will definitely get the word out with if and when that happens so anyways i think that's all we got so thank you for listening and as always uprising uprising uprising